Conversate Trans is an intergenerational podcast series exploring trans culture. The podcast, developed by the Sterlings Collective with funding from Create in collaboration with Tenny, with continued participation of the trans community, explores invisible histories and culture through intergenerational dialogue and archival materials. Having worked closely with members of the trans community over the last two years, the collective recognized the need for intergenerational dialogue and community care for trans people, and this podcast aims to be one part of this. Oh, hi, I'm Jewel. Hi, I'm Alexandra. And you're listening to Conversate Trans. Today, we have a very special guest, member of the Sterlings and involved with working in Tenny. We have Lilith Ferreira Carroll. Lilith, do you want to introduce yourself to her a bit better than I did? <laughs> uh, well done on the pronunciation. Um, yeah, um, my name's Lilith. Uh, I'm the... Um, well, I suppose uh, some people might know me as the community development officer uh, with Tenny, uh, the Transgender Equality um, Network of Ireland. And I uh, am also a member of the Sterling. So I've been involved in the background, I guess, in many of the um, many of the episodes of the podcast. And uh, I was asked earlier, early on in this uh, to, to come on to the to the show at some stage. So here I am. Yay, here you are. And uh, do you want to tell us what your um, important item is today? Uh, yeah, well, I, I bought, I brought the, the this uh, set of headphones. Um, they are a pair of Sennheiser headphones and I've had them for over a decade. Um, they've, they've kind of been with me um, through a good chunk of my adult life, I guess. And um, I initially got them because I used to do uh, kind of uh, videography work. Um, so uh, kind of just video production, uh, that sort of a thing. Um, but I also used them, obviously, for um, just listening to music. And yeah, they've been all over the world with me. They've been um, my sort of early on in my transition. They, they were sort of like my armor when I would go out and uh, out into the real world um so they're yeah they're they're quite important to me it's very appropriate as well for today isn't it for the for the podcast to have headphones like that's very practical like that's a very well taught item i think <laughs> i guess so i mean i'm not using them because uh, they don't have a they don't have a mic input so they're not really much use for for this sort of thing <laughs> but um yeah they're 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 what I stick in to the to my phone most of the time uh, when when I go off on my commute. Although not really doing that much these days, and um, you know, or going on going off for a walk or whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I do most of my listening. I don't go outside much. It's like as something happening. I usually just stay home. It's like play video games. Is, is there something going on in the world or? I don't know. Uh yeah, there, there seems to be this um disease that's kind of running rife that nobody has a cure for, so everyone's uh yeah having to stay indoors most of the time. Um, so I, I know I, th- I think the audience might be aware of it, all right? <laughs> Maybe is the uh, so would you say like music is like a big part of your life or like well like, it's your transition like for the headphones is that for music? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it was part of the reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, music is um, something that I've always had a had an interest in, and it's always been quite uh, maybe central to my identity, especially when maybe I was um, hitting the the teenage years. Um, but I I suppose I, I got it. Be- I got the headphones um, more so because I um, was kind of going into sort of professional sort of. Uh, videography work and I needed a pair of headphones that I could wear when I was uh, recording video and, and editing as well uh, afterwards and uh, so they've been very much a tool I don't do so much anymore um, that's not really since I transitioned and um, so they've kind of more become um, my uh, just my headphones when I'm listening to music but I think that like when it was when I was very early in my kind of transition and trying to uh, move out into the world, 
um I was quite uh, self-conscious of what um you know of of other people and what people might um say to me or whatever it might be and um when I had the headphones on I didn't really have to worry about that so much <clears throat> so um I w- it was very important for me uh, to wear them for the first while and it wasn't until maybe I was about I don't know, about three years into the transition that I found myself kind of wandering around without necessarily wearing them and not really having the same need for them. But they were definitely kind of very important in that early period. Yeah. um, I don't know if, like, Jules, if you have, like, a similar experience. But I know when I started coming out, I started wearing this, like, little necklace. It was, it's an icon from a video game. But it was just kind of like that, like, it's jewellery, you know? So it was a sense of... It was my way of kind of experimenting with coming out wearing women's clothes in a way, but it was from video games, so there's that like little bit of grace of like, you know, oh, I'm wearing it because I'm a fan of this game, not because, you know, I want to wear jewellery, even though like I totally wanted to wear jewellery. <laughs> I don't know, Jules, do you have any like that? I still wear big sweaters because I feel more comfortable with them and they somewhat hide my body. And yeah, I just feel that piece of protection because a lot of the time you can't tell what the clothes is marketed to but it's like my sweater so it's mine bitch oh wait can I say bitch yes of course can I don't know I'm, I'm one of your guests <laughs> I mean yes you're not a producer now you're a guest I can say bitch I'm gonna have to mark this one 18 plus this episode <laughs> a lot of b-bombs being dropped oh wait I only said like three times it's fine but yeah I suppose like with the headphones I mean I guess there's a lot of memories kind of embedded in them as well like in like in terms of experiences and 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 travel and uh, work as well like so before i worked in uh tenny and before i came out uh, one of the jobs that i had was um um working for quite a a large irish ngo and i was doing video and um <clears throat> Uh, yeah, video and photography for them. So, as part of that job, I um I went to um South Sudan um and uh, recorded video there and, and did photography and as well as uh, Kenya and uh, I was also uh, in Tur- Turkey right at the the Syrian border uh, when um you know during the during the civil war in Syria. So I would have um, kind of been photographing, um, you know, refugees and uh, doing video interviews um, with with them in Turkey and like in South Sudan. I was um, I was work. It was kind of nutrition programs. So um, it it was uh, people living in extreme poverty. So uh, I'd take talk, um, kind of take, doing video and and stuff like that with with health workers. Um, that were um, dealing with extreme malnutrition. And so uh, that's what I was doing there. And then in Kenya, I was, uh, there was a group of kind of engineering students that had kind of invented a, um, uh, a contraption that was able to kind of take water from the air and, and um, kind of capture the water and to, to help with and kind of providing water in communities. And I followed them around and, um, kind of videoed there um, them going to Kenya and trying to um, do their project in, in the real world so to speak so you know and I, I also did a lot of kind of wedding videography and a couple of music videos for people and um, kind of corporate video stuff as well so it was you know it's quite a different um, existence than maybe what uh, I, I tend to do now which is a bit more in the uh, community development work with it, with the trans community and maybe a little bit of <clears throat> online activism and stuff, you know. Oh my god, that's like so amazing! I didn't know you had like traveled all over like Africa and like did all that kind of um, volunteer stuff. That's like so cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a, it was a great experience, and and at the time, uh, definitely, and uh, it, it it definitely kind of it takes you away from maybe a notion of being in the center of the world. Uh, and um, I here's the thing I know nothing about kind of African culture 
And I, I feel like it's such a misopportunity. Like, we have so many movies and media about, like, you know, all the ancient worlds, like Egypt and Greece and, like, obviously America got, like, you know. And we live in Ireland and you see we get so much, like, Asian kind of culture as well. Um, We really don't know that much about, like, Africa or Africa's history. And I feel like that's such a missed opportunity because it must be so varied and interesting and vivid, like, you know, like... I don't know, like, <laughs> it's something that I would, like, I would love to kind of explore, um, obviously I can't because I don't know anything about it, but, um, I'd love to learn more, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I, I guess just, like, um, uh, b- being in a culture that's a little bit, uh, that's different from your own, you know, uh, is, I think it's, I, I feel very, uh, privileged that I was able to kind of find myself in that, uh, in that, um, to 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 get that opportunity to to be to experience that, and um, because yeah, um, it it it's uh, definitely, um, how would you say? I don't know. It, it's just a, it, it's it's different when you're in a place where uh, as a white person you're a minority, you know, and uh, you know the culture is different and people have uh, different um, ways of seeing the world, and uh, I guess. What it meant for me is 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 <clears throat> giving me a um a kind of a realization that um you know um the way that we see the world in say Ireland or you know in in the broader West is not necessarily the default and it's not necessarily um you know the the only correct way of seeing. Uh, things you know and doesn't that like relate so well to like the experience of being trans as opposed to like cisgender kind of narratives yeah yeah i, I definitely think that um uh, trans people have a unique perspective on the world um and when we are uh, kind of when we're listened to and when we're given the opportunity to express ourselves and um, you know it, it can it can really um shine a light back on say mainstream society from a from a different angle and that's outside that of you know and the kind of the typical cishet white male gaze you know and it's it's really important uh, as kind of a wider society that we take an every opportunity to um to foster that and be it um you know uh, sexual uh, minorities or gender minorities or and people um, of different cultures and traditions and walks of life you know i love learning about like different culture especially like i don't know it's just i really love kind of fancy stuff and like when you hear about like the you know again i bring it back to mythology because that's why i find really interesting but i'd love to learn so much more about like all different mythologies across the world because that can really have a huge impact on the culture like if you like kind of look at our culture the hero's journey started, like, from the West, like, the, you know, the Hercules-type character, and that's still, like, and again, that reflects a very male, patriarchal view of Western society, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. I, I don't know, I just, I love this kind of stuff, but um, I'd love to learn more. So we have St. Bridget, isn't she, like, I mean, we have our own mythical, like, figures, but again, is I guess she's, like, a figure for spring or something i couldn't figure out what happened to her i i um so i'm from kildare like not originally but i live in kildare for like you know i want to say like 15 years ish um maybe almost like two decades now and um all the schools around here like so bridget is the patron saint of kildare all the schools around here are all like named like school breed and saint bridget that's uh, when i went to a school breed and um they tell you like all the stories so i I know, like, the big things about her in, in kind of, that they teach you at school was she laid her cloak down on the ground, and there's a guy, some, some like, land baron who was, like, uh, she was asking for space to build a monastery, and he said, put your cloak on the ground, and the space that that cloak covers, you can build your monastery on that, like, put of land, because obviously her cloak would only cover, you know, square foot or whatever. And she placed her cloak down, and it grew and grew and grew, and it kept growing until like it covered his whole land. And he was like, "Oh no, uh, please, like take pity on me or some, you know." And then she, it was because of God or something. I don't know the exact details, but uh, the point is, she she 
made the land. She she got room for monastery. <laughs> she got building permits. She was imbued with a like Holy Spirit kind of thing. She was uh, like mythical. Yeah, I think like so originally there was like this Celtic goddess who was like a fertility goddess or uh you know, goddess of like plants and stuff. And basically when Christianity came to Ireland they kind of took her took that goddess and turned it into Bridget, like was like you know, like the same they did with Christmas. Christmas was like a pagan festival. And that's where like the Christmas tree comes from because the pagans would keep the tree inside the house because they were like keeping the spirit of spring throughout the winter with them. Uh, it was something like along those lines where they were like, you know, no, that wasn't the Celtic goddess. That was, you know, someone, a Christian. That was a good Christian. Uh, worshipped Christians <laughs> and <or laughs> Jesus. I, I, sorry, I'm not very good at explaining this. Kiva? <laughs> no, I get it, but oh. I just, I forgot that all of ours are, like, very closely tied to religion. Yeah, like, all of our kind of traditions. Like the land. Uh, Lilith, not Kiva. <laughs> I'm just, like, give me an excuse to stop talking. I mean, like, you using up this whole thing talking about St. Bridget. So we can edit stuff out, girl. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're kind of on about, like, Hercules and all of that, and I suppose there's like um, an equivalent might be Cúchulainn in the in the Irish uh, context. But like when I when I think of Irish mythology and and maybe kind of trying to get an um, trying to think of it in a in a modern Irish kind of context, not and like in this like I suppose Ireland uh, as a country, you know, you know, we can't get past the fact that we were colonized uh, both by um, by the British Empire and also um, by the um, kind of Catholic Church, and um, you know the the power of those two uh, is continuing to wane, and so kind of what are you left with? Um, and you know, I, I think about uh, kind of the Irish kind of mythology, and particularly like the 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 notion of like the Book of Invasions, um, which is like kind of the I've never heard of that yeah it's like the origin myth where it kind of talks about like uh, the island of Ireland and being sort of having kind of multiple peoples and uh, kind of coming over subsequent uh, kind of eras of time and it started with like say the Tuatha de Danann who were like the kind of these like demigod figures and that kind of disappeared into the mists of time and you know you know who did a really cool uh, so there's this there's a YouTube channel um I don't remember what it's called. I think it might be Extra Credits. Or at least that was their like first one. They might have made more spin-off channels. But they um, have the series called Extra Mythology, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Where they talk about all mythos from all different parts of the world. Um, they did a couple on Irish. Like that, that stuff you're talking about now. I, I just forget like the names of all of it because it's all in Irish. And, you know, it's like not, not easy to remember, I guess, if you haven't heard them before. But uh, I just, just kind of laughed there for anyone who's listening. Um if they want to kind of maybe check that channel out, because I think it's a very good place to learn about culture. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess, like, you know, they, they they talk about kind of these kind of different kind of races of people that come over to, uh, and become a, come to Ireland. And it just kind of, I think, when I I think of Irishness, you know, it, it it's... The 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 uh, the notion of a kind of a, a national identity, you know, um, it, it's it's maybe a little bit different than than other, um, maybe countries where a lot of it can be kind of predicated on race. I suppose that that's very true. Um, because don't they talk about like how the Vikings came to Ireland, and they were like raiding Ireland and all, but then like they ended up kind of becoming part of our culture and. Then they, I believe, the Norwegian or not the Norwegian Nordic people call uh, the the word for the Irish basically translates to friend in their kind of languages uh-huh. or cousin, I think it is, or like it's something like I think they call us like uh, the Vikings cousins or something. I'm not quite sure. Like Ireland is very, uh, I feel, has a lot of similar culture with a lot of Nordic countries. In like, you know, they believe. Uh, I think in Iceland they believe in. Trolls, or I think it's trolls. No, it's not troll. Is it troll? <laughs> they they have this kind of spirit anyway, that equi- like equivalent to like leprechauns or fairies from Ireland, you know. Mm. 
And um, I don't know, it's just stuff like that I think is very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, uh, like, yeah, so I, I don't know, it's, yeah, mythology and all of that. It's very fascinating. One thing I think, just to kind of bring this back to like, the whole trans thing. Um, what we're meant to be talking about, this is not a history podcast, it's a LGBT podcast. Um, I feel like there's a, a kind of build in mythology, in, uh, not uh, mythology, but in modern culture, kind of a reclamation of Bridget among women and trans women in Ireland. Yeah. I think she's kind of becoming this kind of, outside of religion, like it's not being related back to Christianity. It's um, So as I, I was involved with a photo shoot this year, and the Herstory Festival, I, I'm not sure the exact details of how it all works. But I know they, they on February the 1st, which is St. Bridget's Day, they kind of have a um, a little bit of a... that That's kind of when their festival kind of takes its peak, I guess. Which we, we actually last year as the Sterlings had the project, the Everyone Project, where we photographed trans women. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Projected their image onto... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we projected our image onto the National Museum of Ireland and the GPO, which is so, like, that's such a big deal, like, to have trans women... And then binary people... And such central place in Ireland, such culturally relevant place in Ireland. Mm-hmm. It really demonstrates, I think, well, we managed, <laughs> and not, not to talk ourselves up, but we managed to kind of demonstrate that we were, um, we were part of Irish culture, we were part of Ireland, that we're here, and we're important, and we have the right, and just, like... Equal as equal as anyone else to be on or within those kind of culturally relevant places because we're here, kind of thing. I guess it's just a statement of like we've arrived. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a very uh, powerful uh, it was a very powerful exhibition. Oh um, yeah, and, and it was great to see. Um, it was um, so great. Yeah, it was quite surreal to see my face plastered up on the GPO. You know, which is you know oh, where the, the yeah. birth of the um the nineteen sixteen rising which which uh, kinda you know kinda gave the spark to war the war of independence and all of that, you know. Yeah, like that um, well I was gonna bring it back to is that th- so this has been this is kinda taking its peak on St. Bridget's Day and then that kind of week of St. Bridget's. Uh and just like that's obviously very relevant to women and St. Bridget being maybe I don't know, but based on that kind of fertility, pagan fertility goddess or a lot of her mythos was taken from that. Which obviously you think fertility is usually around women, uh, not that that's all that women are. Uh, but but now in history, it's often or in mythology when women are mentioned, it is about their like youth and their fertility and their beauty. Yeah. Or if they're like older, about how they like survive when they're worn. And like when people think about Ireland, it's often yeah. You're absolutely right. Like their mother earth, though it's like no, not mother earth. What do we call it? I guess, like, also when you sing, hear song, old songs, like, Ireland is this, like, woman that you have to, like, return to. Well, if you're, like, abroad. Sorry, what was that last bit, Jules? Oh, I know. Ugh. I forget if in, like, old songs or, like, what they call, like, folk songs, Ireland is portrayed as, like, an attractive woman or an older woman. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, like, the visual representation. Yeah, there's obviously a big distinction, but now I can't remember which one It'd be like a woman in like green robes red hair playing a harp usually it's something like that yeah so i just mean like i understand where you're coming from with the whole i just mean it's very understandable just that mythology does put women in boxes and they give them these like imbue them with certain qualities that's often all they are in that moment. yeah and i i think there's like at the moment there's a current culture i don't even think it's intentional but it's just kind of because bridget is kind of a visible woman and there isn't a lot of like bad things i guess relating to her representation even in the kind of patriarchal society i think women are using as well as trans women are using saint bridget as kind of creating this new mythos around her of like modern day kind of like representation and like you know is this making sense can someone put in it is yeah it's like a modern representation of irish femininity not to like yeah use that but just I guess Irish womanhood would probably be better. And I think Ireland, if I remember this right, the people who first settled in Ireland, they believed there was three goddesses that represented Ireland or uh, that like owned the land or something. Uh, 
I don't know. Right. I don't really. I don't. I, um, it's been a, it's been a while since I, I read uh, the two uh, about the the two that are done and same. It was back when I was a teenager, I guess, uh, uh, which is quite a long time ago. The YouTube channel. Um, the YouTube channel I'd mentioned as uh, this is where I know this from. So I still <laughs> sorry. Just it's a very good. It's just very good for people. And I just think learn a bit more about their own heritage and. Well, they're Irish. They're Lodginous. We are being a history podcast. We said we weren't. We kind of well, we can be multiple things. Very, like, half-hearted ones. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, so, so there was three names for Ireland and the three goddesses. And I think that might have also, you, I'm sure you've heard of the Mother, the Crone, and the Maiden, Maiden, Mother, and Crone. Uh, I think, I think the, they all kind of come back and they all, like, oh, yeah. link up in, like, you know, Sorry, I just love like the kind of like culture, especially trans women. I love like kind of like um, symbolism for like you know um, the pearls symbolize Venus because she was born from a clamshell or whatever. Like I love that kind of stuff, and I love like using that in like art and stuff. It's like so. That's why I love the girl with the pearl ring. You know, the painting and the girl with the pearl ring. She has like the pearl ring because it's like it represents like femininity to me in a way. So pearls are like a symbol of purity as well. I believe. They're like all white and shiny. Yeah, which which not that that's a great. I believe yeah. also is kind of like it's it's also in a more problematic sense. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. a representation virginity. of virginity and like women with virginity are like considered better or whatever in patriarchal kind of views, which we don't agree with here. But um, and I think also because the pearl is meant to be like physically symbolic of the clitoris. If you get me. Oh. Okay. Uh yeah, I know. In the same way, like you know, um, Mars, the god, the god of men, had like a spear because that's like a phallic symbol. Oh, I think I did not think we'd be getting here, but oh, <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I got excited. Fine. Someone has to make me stop. Okay, I gotta stop. <laughs> I just don't. I wouldn't have connected to myself. <gasps> but speaking of like mythological, like beings and stuff. Like you obviously chose the name Lilith for yourself. Like what? So oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, my name. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I guess. Um, I kind of. I guess again. Kind of. When I initially kind of uh, transitioned, I um, took the name uh, Kiva, um, which. I, I did that. I, I guess to kind of accommodate my family and maybe make it easier on other people. Um, and over a, over a certain amount of time, I I became less and less kind of um comfortable with that. And um, partly was I think it's because that um <clears throat> I found that people were doing kind of <clears throat> how would you say I found that people were kind of like thinking backwards in their head and trying to pick and uh, uh, figure out what my dead name was. So I found that a little bit disconcerting um, with some people. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of wanted to find a name that kind of was more unique for me or, or, or was a, a name that I wanted to pick for myself rather than for other people. Um, and, you know, although I took kind of Kiva for the first while uh, in my transition and um, it's become kind of less and less important and um, it's, it's still the name that's, that appears on bills and things because um, it's still technically my first name. But when I did my deed poll, um, I, I put in the name Lilith uh, kind of in the middle there. And over the last uh, couple, of teen, uh, couple of years, I've been using Lilith more and more. Um, but yeah, the name, I, I guess the name has a, there's a kind of a, a, a mythical element to it. Uh, the name goes back into antiquity, but a lot of people would kind of be aware of it in a religious context. So the, the, the notion is, is that, and it comes from kind of Jewish texts, um, that before um, God created Eve, um, he created uh, Lilith uh, from the earth rather than from Adam's rib. And um, it came to the time where they wanted to, um, you know, do a bit of the old riding or whatever. <laughs> and um, Adam wanted to be on top and Lilith was having none of that. 
So she just um, upped and left the Garden of Eden. And uh, God sent the angels or something to say, here, will you come back? What are you doing? And she was like, no, I'm not coming back. And I'm going to curse all the babies that are ever born or something like that. Um, and then it sort of morphed into this um, thing in the, like the 19th century around the kind of romantics of this sort of demon woman with long red hair uh, that would seduce men and then um, strangle them with their with her hair. And I kind of like that. And it, it it's it it's a sort of a um this kind of demon creature that has sort of been, I guess, reclaimed in feminism, uh, um, as for, you know, uh, in the same way that maybe people might reclaim a slur, and the the character of um Lilith has sort of been reclaimed as this kind of strong independent archetype. And it was something that appealed to me, you know. And that that's actually that's really cool because we had um Eilish on as well, uh, who was talking mm-hmm. about using the name Pidge because it's like someone someone. I mean, I'm sure you know it's, but uh, just a reminder for people who might be listening. Uh, Pidge was a uh, slur. Someone would, or not a slur, but someone would call her pigeon as a kid. I think because uh-huh. the way she walked. And she kind of reclaimed that as well as her name with the same kind of context of reclamation because, uh, yeah, well, I mean, because mm-hmm. it's trans culture, LGBT culture, any kind of minority culture even. Yeah, so it's just a name that I find myself using more and more these days. Uh, not, a, not, not in every context, you know, um, generally amongst um, uh, friends, you know, so... Kiva for business and Lilith for uh, partying. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, if I don't like you very much, I might insist that you call me Kiva. See, my my you know my uh, understanding of Lilith was that she she was going to when they were going to have the shag, she wanted to be on top, and Adam wanted to be on top, and then God came down and was like, "Uh, Lilith, Lilith, you're you're going to be on the bottom, okay?" And she was like, "Uh, "No." And I really like that idea of a strong, independent woman turns like these two male figures, one that like literally represents the patriarchy as a whole, like God, like you know, this like legit, legitimate, like proper fighter figure, and um, mm-hmm. trying to say no, I'm I'm not going to submit, like I'm not going to bend over for you guys, <laughs> literally in this case, <laughs> and uh, I just I really like that kind of idea. And then um, how it kind of came about that, sorry, then, then my understanding was that God cursed her, that any children she would have would be demons. And that's how the demons started. She would spawn demons. Um, that, that might be like the more modern uh, interpretation. Like that's, uh, I don't know, there's a show on Netflix, uh, Lucifer, that's very good. It's very like, it's based on all these comics that are all about LGBT things and all. Uh, well, at least involved them at like, you know, the 70s. Mm-hmm. But Lilith is a figure that appears in there, and that's kind of her story that she gives. She gave birth to all the demons. Yeah, I, I, there. I, so it's kind of the modern interpretation. I find Lilith uh, kind of useful and interesting when I when I'm meeting new people. You know, often I'll um, I'll introduce my name, and then more often than not, a woman will go, "Oh, Lilith! Oh, that's a great name!" and then tell me something about Lil- uh, and Lilith and the the mythical creature and it's sort of like that like kind of knowing nod um whereas maybe guys might think of um um uh, that that character in fraser and uh, that's the the ex-wife of the secondary character seen as a monster um you know i i don't know i'm not familiar with fraser i kind of only know it like people kind of refer to it ironically in my experience like because it was i think it was considered good for its time and then didn't age. I don't know. It's, I I never I've never watched it again since it was on the telly. The, another just a cool like thing I I really find interesting. They say like Eve was made from Adam's rib, right? In the Christian texts, Catholic, Christian, whatever. Mm-hmm. In the Jewish like original uh, Hebrew, apparently the exact phrasing was the bone adjacent to Adam or something like uh, or parallel to Adam, I think, or something like that. And the point is, they 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 reckon that they actually meant. The bone in the penis, right? <laughs> because all animals, or almost all animals, have a bone in their penis. 
except for humans. Uh, we're actually like a very like unique in that sense. Not many animals are have that. Oh right. Yeah. So they reckon that uh, they took like oh, I took the bone from. Now this is why we don't have a bone in our penis, and he made it from the bone. But then this is like why women don't have a penis because they were made from the penis bone. So like they didn't have that. I don't know. It's like the the, the blueprint was missing the bone then afterwards. I I don't know. It's like I don't know if there's some kind of like statement on trans culture there, but um, <laughs> it's just I just I think it's a cool kind of story like that. And now now the Christians are saying to kind of come back and say like because it's sexual, I guess, in nature that they don't they don't accept this kind of way of putting it. Like this this is just kind of an origin story, I guess, in terms of why humans are where they are. I don't know. Yeah, well, I was like, uh, how do you very drop the topic of penis? Do you have any penis stories? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, just gonna went to be quiet there for a moment. So we've gone from, we've gone from like, we've gone from different cultures to mythology to Lilith to. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what she said. <laughs> I think I broke Kiva or Lilith. <laughs> you're asking me if i have any penis stories <laughs> <laughs> like i said that jokingly and then in retrospect i was like that might not be a good topic for some people there's nothing that really is and um, comes to mind I, I must say um <laughs> um yeah i suppose trans people do tend to um tend to give out a lot when um Maybe cis people concentrate um, a, a lot on the genitalia of other trans people, but somehow in this context, it seems okay. I don't know. I don't understand why. But um. <laughs> so we're leading the conversational Alexandra, as if she just happened to bring it there. As long as we were. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Look, I mean, like this, this should have been expected. Like when I started in the podcast, it was like. It's going to devolve at some point into some like really bad stuff. So yeah, the confidence is is growing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I suppose it makes a change. Um, you know when um, like I have I have been uh, I have like in the time that I've been out, which isn't a, a, a very long time. I, I, I'll be coming up to maybe I'll be coming up to five years. Um, in um in August, but um much of the interaction that I've had with the me uh, with the me- with the media has usually been talking about the negative stuff or trying to debunk some of the um crappy stuff that uh, kind of is out there in terms of um uh, how cis people like to talk about trans people. So I guess it is kind of refreshing that um. You know, we, you know, in this environment, we don't necessarily have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I feel like it's very hard to kind of talk about kind of things revolving around sexuality with cis people when you're trans because it's like there's so much kind of, I, I guess, observation of it being fetishized or the narrative, like the cis narrative that being trans is a sexual thing and stuff. And it's it's so exhausting because it's, it's, I think it just develops. An, Caused us to develop an unhealthy relationship with our own sexuality. I don't know if that maybe. Uh, well, like, I, yeah, I suppose like it, it, it can, it can maybe instill um, a certain amount of shame in uh, trans people uh, when um, maybe the world's kind of, you know, the when the world, you know, people sometimes when they talk about trans people in a negative sense, they they see us as. Um, you know, uh, people that have some sort of weird fetish or whatever, when the reality is often the the reverse of that, and it's 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 us that are often fetishized by um, cis people, and um, and you know, it, definitely that can be something that could be internalized um, uh. Uh, amongst uh, trans people, but yeah, I I, I guess the the antidote to that is just, you know, I guess when 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 you realise how 
much of that is just absolute bullshit. Uh, you, you know, over time, you, you develop less of a, you care a lot less about it. Um, and just by, you know, getting to know and um, uh, hang around with and, um, you know, develop relationships with other trans people. And then you can kind of, uh, you can, there, there, there is, uh, you can, you can discover, um, you can discover your own sexuality on your own terms, you know, Um, like one of the, one, a a great zine um, that has been really helpful for me and uh, partners of mine is, is a zine. It's about a decade old. and it has the it has the beautiful title of uh, fucking trans women, um, but it's 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 brilliant and it it it's it's essentially like a, a sex ed uh, guide for um uh, for for trans women who <clears throat> who may be uh, pre op or non op, um, and. When I I read it and it it completely transformed my um how I viewed um my own body and um and my own sexuality and um you know I definitely would recommend any um any any trans woman any trans feminine person anyone who might be in a relationship with a trans uh uh. uh person that was that's assigned male at birth um and i would often like if i found myself in a, a in a developing relationship with somebody and um, it would be one of the first things that i would share with them and i would just basically say look read this and come back to me and you they'd come back maybe the next day and i get all these like exploding brain emojis and you know uh, shocked expressions and um um it's uh it it changed it changes so many uh, people's um idea of what um sex is or what sex can be um as a trans feminine person um and um yeah, I, I couldn't um, I couldn't recommend it enough um, for for any trans person or partner of trans person. What was the name? What was the name of that again? <laughs> it's called fucking trans women. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Where, where can I get it? I guess is what I was trying to ask. Um, it's it's uh, I I I, you can, I guess you can kind of I think it's available on Amazon. Um, is it a book like? It's a zine, um, but it's 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 a it's quite a large zine, and um, definitely with a bit of googling and stuff, you, you should be able to what, what, to locate it, it. Okay, I just I I think we should put a thing. If you Google "fucking trans," women, you might get boring. You might get undesirable results. Yeah. Wait. What? What is it? A zine? What's a zine? A zine is basically it's like a handmade magazine. Yeah, a zine. That's a book that. So instead of a like a professional kind of public published magazine, oh. a zine is a um, is something that you create and it's handmade and it's it's an art form within itself, you know. And it's very, it's it's very much a, a, an integral part of of queer culture is is zine uh, zine making. Um, and if it wasn't for the bleeding uh, lockdown, I'd be probably doing like, workshops and would, trying to get, uh, get trans people making would, zines. Would GCN kind of? Kind of started out with something like that. I'm not quite sure if if, if GCM were a zine or not. You'd ha- you'd have to ask them ask them how it all kind of came about. I think they were very much more. I think they started as more like a kind of a newsletter sort of a, a setup and kind of evolved from that. So it comes from a different maybe, um, a different line- lineage. Um, you know, I would like to do. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I would love to kind of set up a bit of a um, maybe a zine is the right kind of medium. Uh, Maybe after we can start meeting a person again, you might be interested in giving the workshop. I might be able to attend or something. But um, I was thinking about this kind of idea of building a kind of uh, a little kind of book or a booklet or a zine or something about how to kind of start experimenting as a trans woman or 
just kind of maybe how can I put like a little kind of guide or suggestions. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I think for a lot of people, where do I start is a very big question. And it's like, because I, I think some people will jump straight into kind of the makeup and wearing heels and all that kind of stuff. I find that that doesn't work for them because it's it's a lot. Like, it, apart from the fact that it's just, it, it costs a lot of money to get everything at first. And, you know, that's not possible for everyone it's also very exhausting. <laughs> like, like I don't know, getting your makeup ready and all that, it's great for a night out, but doing it every day is very draining, I find. Uh, and I think just like a kind of a guide for like, you know, if you're maybe under the age of 18, you live with your parents, you don't have space to experiment too much. Uh, there's some suggestions I could personally give that would be like, kind of how to wear male clothes but in a way that's feminizing. Mm-hmm. Um, things like V-neck shirts, uh, darker shirts, brighter bottoms, uh, those that can be all like very slimming towards your torso and kind of expand your hips a little bit. Mm. Uh, necklaces as well, like I said, my my old pendants that I used to wear from a video game. It's just it's a little thing you can do that's kind of affirming to yourself. I find. Yeah, every everyone finds their own way. And actually, your your idea of the kind of kind of wearing the headphones to kind of. Um, not have to listen to other people, other idiots, I suppose. Uh, that that's that's a good one as well. Yeah, yeah. You can you can intentionally ignore people, or you can have them off, and you can listen to people, and they assume that you're not listening to them. Sometimes it can be quite interesting uh, to see uh, to hear what people are maybe saying, and um, when they think that you're not listening to them. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I would say as well, like you know, I, I think that. Uh, as my confidence grew, a lot of that became less of a lot of it was my own fears um, and worries about, um, you know, how I was going to be able to move in the world uh, as myself, um, which were a lot of the fears that kind of held me back from transitioning um, maybe earlier. And uh, like I tra- transitioned when I was 31 um, and I'm 36 now. So uh, it took me maybe a little bit longer to to get out of the box than um, than some people, you know. But um, as as time went on and I became more um, self confident, um, you know, I realized that um, it's it's a lot less of an issue, really, or at least in in Dublin in Ireland. You know? Yeah, that's one thing I think as well. Like a lot of people don't care enough to like look at you and like think about if you're trans or not or something like you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh most people i i, I like to call them zombies um <laughs> might be a bit derogatory but like they're just going about or doing their own thing whatever business or whatever they have to do so if you walk into a coffee shop um even if you're not like i, I gonna say like looking your best or absolute best um and i'm not saying that in that you need to look a certain way around the past, just you can feel it in yourself sometimes, it can affect your own confidence, I find anyway. Um, but generally, like you do something like that, most people aren't going to really be paying enough attention to you to like really worry about anything like that. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, just... I mean, it, you, you kind of, you feel things out, I suppose, through, through lived experience as well. Um, and like, I suppose like in, in the beginning, I, I, I when I, first came out I put a lot of thought and effort into um, kind of learning makeup I suppose partly because I was unemployed so I didn't have a huge amount else to be uh, a lot to be doing with my time and um, but and um, and I felt like I needed to catch up I guess in a certain in certain respects um, with uh, my cis counterparts um, and and a part of it it was like I don't know. I I I was ho- I hoped that maybe I would be read uh, as a as a woman or as a trans woman, um, and putting a lot of my self worth in what other people, how other people would perceive me, and uh, but as time goes on, that becomes less and less important. And you know, I don't know. I I learned fairly quickly that. Um, it didn't really matter how much effort I put in. Um, if somebody was going to invalidate you, they were going to do that. And um, it became more about what um, what was important for me or, you know, what I wanted 
for myself in terms of my the clothes I wore, the gender expression or my general comfort uh, or the amount of time that I wanted to get ready in the, uh, in the morning uh, for work or, or whatever it might be. And and just kind of finding that um, that balance, which, which took a bit of time, but, you know, I think I generally got on there. I'd say that is the one thing I like about this pandemic is the masks, because that helps high. Like if you have like a little bit of stubble and you didn't have time in the morning around to deal with it, you haven't got laser yet or you're still getting laser. Uh, like I really like the masks are so great for that. I have like a fashion mask. It's just like I guess it's designer quote unquote. Uh it has just a like a design on it. Um you can get them like all different ones. Well it's a fashion mm. mask. It's not just a regular mask. No, well, I don't know. I don't know if I should uh drop name drop yet unless they're gonna like pay us for uh, an advertisement. What are they what's the word I'm looking for? Oh sponsors, that's what they're called. Yeah, okay, yeah, like, yeah. if we're going to get advertisement money out of this or something. Sponsor, that's the exact word, yeah. But um, it's a website called Palm Tree. Um, they're they're quite expensive now. I think we pay 20 quid for this mask or even more. But uh, it comes from America as well, so there's, like, PMP. But um, there's all these, like, very... I think their, their thing is that they're aimed at millennials, so it's all, like, very sarcastic. Um, well, there's obviously, like, a group. It goes like uh-huh. over a decade. I don't know. I think you're like on the br- the brink. You know? <laughs> so some people would consider you one. Some people would so consider you people, like the oldest, basically. the Gen Z, the Gen. <laughs> yeah. well, millennials are hitting forty at this stage. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, I guess it's the next gen down. I-, I don't know. I guess I'm just in that point of whatever. Like wherever I fit in, the point is, uh, it's all kind of like sarcastic, kind of internet humor stuff, and like references to like corporations and stuff. So it's like there's one that's like Intel uh, shape, but it says instead of saying Intel, it says dead inside in like their font. Uh, there's one that like says do not resuscitate, and it's all like very like edgy and like you know melodramatic and but uh, I have one that says live laugh love and has a teddy bear and a deer. But they're both dressed in BDSM gear. So uh, <laughs> that just spoke to me. I'm like, you know. So uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's a fun kind of thing, I guess, that you can wear. And I, I forget what my point was here. It just like, it helps hide stubble. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. That's what it was. Oh, and apparently you are a bitch. I said researchers on popular media use the mid to late 1990s, the starting birth years in the early 2000s to the end. Ah. So congratulations. Thank you. I guess I might be putting in that. <laughs> we, I guess we might both be, but there's like maybe some little like stipulations where. Uh, I think, I think I'm, I'm like right on the brink because I was born in the 90s. And like, I guess... Whatever way I grew up, I had no friends. So I kind of just knew about, like, media, older media, I guess. And then, like, even though I kind of grew up around the 2000s, I didn't actually experience much of the culture of the 2000s, if that makes sense. And then I I, I kind of feel like I resonate. So are you, are you Gen Z then, are you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so you're kind of at the old, like, a, a, zen, a zillennial or something. You're kind of on that kind of. And that cusp. Uh, just like, I just, like, I guess video games are like the main thing I kind of interact with as a kid. And uh, we didn't have that much money. And my, it was like my dad's stuff, I guess. I played, he played, well, his girlfriend at the time was a big into video games. So whatever she bought, I was playing. And that, like, all the stuff right now, I'm looking back and it's all like 1992. You know, it's all like, shortly before I was born, 96 was Pokemon, because it's the same year I was born. And I loved Pokemon, so that's very 90s. I mean, anyone born in that period loves Pokemon because Pokemon was huge, like, but, um, I don't know, just, yeah. just that shaped me, I guess, <laughs> the 90s kind of culture. Oh, yeah, kind of using kind of um, female kind of avatars and stuff in, in games, you know, so, so. Oh, absolutely. And that's still a thing for a lot of people who, who feel like they can't express themselves publicly uh the likes of like world of warcraft and stuff like that because it's it's with thousands or millions of even of other people it's just a way and as well for people who can't come out it's um it just gives them that space to kind of be themselves even if it's kind of fictional mm-hmm. so i i don't know do you have any experiences with that kind of stuff or uh yeah well i um i, I guess was 
like I, I was a bit of a gamer as in as a teen, um, but uh, it, it became less of a uh, it became less of a kind of a thing kind of later on. Um, but yeah, I would have I, I remember kind of maybe with the Sims or whatever designing a, a more female um, art. There was a thing called Half Life that was around. It was a Half Life. It wasn't Half Life. It was Second Life. Second Life. Second Life. Yeah, yeah, and experimenting around uh, around that time. It was more kind of like maybe twenty twenty one. I never understood Second Life. Uh, from what I understand now, it's like just for chatting and you just have avatars and that's it. I only kind of played it for a few days and gave up with it. But, uh, yeah. I was like, Club Penguin. I was like, I've never heard of that, but I've heard of Club Penguin. I think so, but doesn't Club Penguin have like mini games and stuff? I never played it. Oh, it does, yeah. Whereas like second, from what I know, it's kind of not really mini games. Sorry, I was going to say The Sims. Any queer person turns to them and be like, did you play The Sims as a kid? Did you make them gay? And they're all like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> It's the first thing I did. I love that because I like I love the idea of making video games for queer people to kind of explore their identity because it's such a safe way to explore your identity. Because I mean, I'm sure there's even cis people who have or straight, uh, sorry, cis hat people who have like cis or hat people, I suppose is what I'm trying to say, who have experimented with like making the sim gay and felt no resonance with it. Whereas like. For me, I would play The Sims for hours, and I would always make girls, and I would always give them these perfect lives where, like, they were raised as babies, and, like, they got, like, all the best education, and they were, like, honor students, and then they go on to become, like, celebrities or, like, scientists or, like, you know, and uh, and I, I kind of eventually came to realize, like, I would make myself in these games as a male, and I would be kind of, like, kind of interested and play it a little bit, but then I would make, like, I, there was one time where I, like, made my wife or whatever, and I ended up getting more enamored playing with the wife than playing with my like own sim. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I don't know, it's just I I love I always so I I love the idea of uh just just how this could be like a method of exploration, like a dollhouse, I guess, for trans people mm. or LGBT people or any kind of group of people, really. Well, I honestly did play the sim just. And I would, I think I've tried to make myself, but then I would just be like, ill. And then I just used to play with like the families and have like those teenage daughters. Cause this was when I believed that like, I said this before on this podcast that like when you hit puberty, you got to choose. And I was always like, bro, I'm ready to be a teenage girl. Yeah. I know that wasn't like, oh, no girl, I believed a fairy godmother would come. I'd be like, yes, thank you. I choose to be mom now. I'm good to go. That obviously didn't happen. So I did use play The Sims, and I would do very similar things. Oh, like in the, isn't there like a gender swap potion in The Sims? In some of them, when you get like some of the DLC. Oh god, I may have bought the new one. The like Sims Four. So, well, I like, guess. Yeah. If you would like, I have a lot of the old Sims games. <laughs> if you want to lend. <laughs> I think you. Yeah, I, 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 um, I don't know. I guess, um. I don't know. I, you you have kind of taken uh, you've run away with it this this uh, this episode, uh, um, but um, it, it's it's been a pleasure and a privilege uh, to be asked on the show. And thanks for having me. I guess you're welcome. Thanks for letting us introduce you to people in a more like open and way instead of just being like a part of the behind the scenes team. We like brought you to the surface. <laughs> I guess not an editor, but like a what would keep his role here be like the one who makes sure that we don't a producer. Yeah, I guess a producer. I was gonna say the one who makes sure that we don't like. I think a producer. The the anti fuck up crew. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you. But thank you so much for being our participant today. No worries at all. If people would like, we have uh, other social media. We have uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll link them down below. Make sure to look for them. They'll be very similarly titled. Kiva, is there anything you would like to drop social media? Uh, I, I suppose I, I, um, I, 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 not particularly. I mean, just check out Tenny, <laughs> the Tenny website. Um, and um, absolutely, my role is kind of in in the kind of community development side of things. So if you're a, a trans person, uh, particularly if you're over the age of eighteen, and you want to. 
um, you want to find your way, you want to make your, your way into meeting other uh, trans people or uh, if you just need a bit of a, a helping hand uh, then get in touch with me and I can um, do the best that I can to um, to um, kind of introduce you to peer support groups and um, uh, lots of other things so I guess that's what I would say there Thank you so much Kiva um, so we will be back again next week thank you for everyone for listening and we'll see you then. Bye.